0: Ah, you obviously know Kung Fu.
1: Hey, this is Vlad Rumberg, Fight Coordinator and Indie Filmmaker, and you're listening to Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast.
2: Welcome to the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast. Adjust your speaker box, sit back, relax, and remember, your Kung Fu may be good, but mine
1: is better. (laughs)
2: Joining me tonight is my very special guest, filmmaker, martial artist, all-around cinematic ninja, Vlad Rimberg. Vlad, thank you so much for taking some time to talk with the Kung Fu Driven podcast tonight.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for having me on. Very
2: excited to have you on. There's a lot of questions that I have for you. you you're doing some uh, incredible work. And what's funny is I have been doing a lot of research with a, a bunch of different guests. Uh, More often than not, your name comes up as someone that they've collaborated with or they've worked with. So you've got a lot of ties to the industry there. But let me get a little bit of background on you. What is your background in martial arts to begin with?
1: Um, I started martial arts at the age of six. Um, I began a Korean martial art known as Mm tungstido, which is more more or less Korean karate. And I took that up in uh, West Hollywood. I grew up in L.A., um, around the age of 13, I transitioned to Taekwondo, but it was more, um, it wasn't sport Taekwondo, it wasn't really ITF Taekwondo. I was trained under a gentleman that trained the Korean army, so it was like a in-your-face Taekwondo, like realistic Taekwondo. So I've always stayed within the realms of Korean martial arts, you can say.
2: Uh, was there a particular reason you went with that martial art, or was it just uh, available to you at the time?
1: Well, uh, my parents enlisted me in Tung Sido. I had no idea what it was, but they knew that I wanted to be part of the martial arts world at a young age. I grew up watching a lot of Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee movies, and you know, I would imitate moves. I would tell my father that I knew martial arts and then kick him in the groin. <laughs> Uh, but my transition to Taekwondo happened when my parents moved to the valley. It was just too far away from my original school and my dad wanted to make sure that I kept my training. So we found the school nearest me and, um, that was the beginning of my Taekwondo career.
2: With that career, you were actually uh, a competitive fighter for a while.
1: I was, yes. Um, I actually studied under four different, uh, taekwondo instructors my last one he was part of the olympic committee on the education board of the world taekwondo federation and uh one of my last tournaments was in the junior olympics competing at the 16 17 age category even though i was 15. you're that advanced maybe i'm not (laughs) not sure no no room for modesty here (laughs) yeah no, I, I wouldn't say I was that advanced. It was just uh, I think that my instructor felt that's where I needed to be okay. uh, when it came to the competition. That's who I had to uh, fight. Now, when you started your martial
2: arts, was there ever an eye towards turning that into something that involved the entertainment field? Uh, because a lot of martial artists, particularly the, the ones that grow up uh, surrounded by uh, entertainment types, kind of use that as a springboard to to move into. Hollywood somehow was that ever a concern for you when you were
1: first starting out? Not at all. I was just too excited to do martial arts. Finally, after watching so many movies, but there was something in particular um, that you can say inspired me to transition. It was actually like a Whoopi Goldberg film, and I can't I can't recall the name of the movie. But she was talking to uh, the actor in the movie, and she said that thing that you really want the most. You got to go standing in front of the mirror. And tell yourself that that's what you want. So I think when I was around nine years old, I went in front of the mirror and I said, I want to be like Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, nice. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. Like like I was saying, I had no real intention of transitioning into martial arts. I grew up in a Russian Jewish household, so everyone assumed I would either be a doctor or a lawyer because I was very good at school at the time. Mm. And uh, I decided to make this transition like a career choice when I was in high school, and it was very difficult to come out to my parents and tell them that this is what I wanted to do. After high school, I think it took like 14, 15 years for it to become a professional career. And uh, here I am doing my first official interview. Hell yeah.
2: <laughs> this is not your first official interview, is it really?
1: <laughs> it is, yeah.
2: Wow, I am, I'm genuinely honored. Okay, then what exactly then sparked
1: that interest to begin filmmaking? Great question. Uh, Zero Gravity. Mm. Back in the day of independent filmmaking, I think the beginning stages of independent filmmaking around the late 90s, there was this group out of the Bayside, North uh, northern Mm -hmm. California, called Zero Gravity. It was founded by Mm -hmm. Kerry Wong and Tony Chu. And this group of teenagers went ahead and shot a short film and put it out online way before the days of YouTube or any um, sharing sites. I think anybody that saw that video was inspired to go out and do the same. <laughs> so that's essentially what, uh, you know, ignited that flame was seeing that ordinary people could go and make this happen. So when my father purchased a camcorder to record my uh, martial arts tournament, my friend and I went out to the backyard and we started, you know, fake fighting and shooting fights and this and that. And my dad came out, saw us, and he yelled at us, what are you doing? Go back inside the house. I don't want to see this again.
2: (laughs) And I understand that being a father uh, myself, if my, I have three daughters, but if I went out into the backyard and saw them beating the crap out of each other, I would also (laughs) yell at them to come inside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Then um, Mm. were you a fan of the classic Kung Fu films growing
1: up? I was, but my knowledge of the martial arts uh, film world was very limited. Hmm. My earliest film that I can recollect I saw was uh, some Jackie Chan movie. We're talking about like, you know, Low Wade directs Jackie Chan.
2: Not
1: right, right. <laughs> in, in Spiritual Kung Fu or Dragon Fist or New Fist of Fury, one of those movies. And of course, I was also very familiar with Bruce Lee movies. Mm-hmm. But um, what I've been told by my uncle was that I was a huge fan of No Retreat, No Surrender. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Where I would tell my uncle, okay, you would be Bruce Lee and I'll be Jason. <laughs> I, I don't think it was until uh, the DVD era that I really started to explore martial arts movies and really dig in and find out what has been made and what's available to me.
2: Now, you've worked not just in film. You've also worked in TV. Do you have a, a preference to one or the other?
1: Uh, TV is a lot more fast-paced. It's on the mm-hmm. go. There are always changes. Um, expectations and demands i think are a little bit higher uh recently i finished up uh, season three of lucifer and honestly for me it was one of the greatest experiences ever oh nice from the cast to production the directors that i got to work with everybody worked as a unit as a team everybody valued uh one another's opinions and um there was never a day when i was going to work and thinking to myself oh man i can't wait for this day to be over Every time I hopped in the car, I was like, "Hell yeah, I'm going to work."
2: Nice. You know,
1: I mean, ideally, that's what you wanted to always be. Sure. But um, things don't always work out. Sometimes you might be on the movie for six months or a year and a half, and you're just honestly over it. So f- for me, it's wherever there are good people, there's good energy, there are good vibes. I'll work on TV movies. We've all I've also done video games as well, mm-hmm. which has been an incredible experience. Um, but honestly, it's wherever the work takes me, that's where I'll go. And if it's a great experience, great. I get to learn from it. And if it's a bad experience, that's also something I get to learn from. I always yep, tell yep. people, don't try to rise to the top too fast. Take your time, learn from your mistakes, learn from other people's mistakes, watch the good, watch the bad, take everything in. So that way, you know, towards the end of your career or towards the end of your life, you look back and, uh, things towards the end were a lot easier than they were in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You overcame that struggle. It it definitely brings down walls when you know how to react or respond to something that's not necessarily going your way.
2: Speaking of good people, you've worked with a lot of great talent. People like Larnell Stovall. You worked with him for like uh, Altered Carbon.
1: Um, I I worked on Altered Carbon for a short period of time. Okay, but what I do want to say is that Larnell gave me the opportunity to make this a full time career. Oh really? So hell yeah, L. Yes, yes, he did. Before him, I was heavily involved in indie filmmaking, okay. which pretty much means I film everything and I pay for everything <laughs> and I make no money. That's what indie <laughs> making is. Of course. And um, one day I released a short with uh, Mickey Faccinello and Amy Johnston, mm-hmm. and the response to that was huge. Uh, suddenly, Mickey got a phone call for work, Amy got a phone call from work. I was getting calls, and I remember Larnell giving me a call at 7.30 in the morning telling me he saw my video, and he wanted to talk. So it it was a great opportunity for me. I think I finally got my chance to work with him about a year and a half later. Because these things take time, you know? People are working overseas all over the place. It's not like, hey, I like you. Come work with me the next day. No, it takes time. So Larnell gave me that start, and then I had people like J.J. Perry... That also took care of me and, you know, uh, made sure I was going in the right route, partnering me up with other coordinators in the business. And, yeah, like uh, these guys have really helped me out tremendously. That's funny.
2: I know uh, when I had Larnell on, uh, he had a nickname for you. <laughs> <Blatsky>. <laughs> so so yeah. Somebody else that you worked with, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we worked together a lot, yeah.
1: Blasky, yeah, V-L-A-D-S-K-I. <laughs> yeah, Vladsky. Yeah, we we were recently talking, and uh, whenever I get a message from him, it's always Flatsky, and I'm like, hell yeah, L.
2: <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. And uh, yeah, Amy Johnson and uh, Mickey are also fantastic uh, martial artists. And speaking of those two, um, I became aware of your work through a number of different projects where you basically took some amazing female martial artists like... Amy and uh, Mickey, threw them in the woods and had them beat the living crap out of each other. <laughs> yes. Um, is, is there a, a different approach for designing a fight scene for for women or does it all just come down to showcasing that, that raw skill?
1: I think it comes down to showcasing that raw skill. I tell a lot of people that are interested in uh, fight choreography or they want to be fight coordinators, make your performers look good by allowing them to do moves that they're strong in. Mm-hmm. So if my actor can't throw a spinning hook kick, but he can throw right hooks all day, I'm going to choreograph the majority of the fight to have right hooks in there. You know, right. I want to play. I want to play up people's strengths. It shouldn't be a matter of is this a man or is this a woman. It's, what are you good at, mm-hmm. and how can I expose that? So you look good, you get work, and then I get work. Not too long ago, I did this uh, proof of concept for uh, for a movie that hasn't come out and I don't know if it's in production or what's going on with it, but it's called Ballerina. Um, Travis Wong and I were talking, and we wanted to showcase a female John Wick. So we Ooh. were talking, and uh, he convinced me to use a brand-new girl, Shai Debra, uh from North Carolina or Atlanta, one of those places out on the East Coast. <laughs> okay, we, we, we flew her out. We shot the project in two days. We released it. The majority of the response was great, but I'm getting a lot of uh, comments still on YouTube and here and there on Facebook. Oh, this wouldn't really happen. You know, women aren't the strongest men. And I'm just thinking to myself, wow, there are a lot of like sexist assholes out there. Oh, so many.
2: It's ridiculous.
1: How how about we just be entertained? And I'm just thinking in my head, you know, like you might not believe this, but if I had her do one of these moves on you, you would become a believer right away.
2: Speaking of your fight work, one of the things that I noticed about the, the fight scenes that you put together is it's, it's kinetic and powerful, but there's also that that silent dialogue that goes on between the characters that for me reminds me of those classic Kung Fu films. So what is it about your choreography that separates you from the pack and allows that story to be told?
1: I think it's having almost no dialogue. I tell people to simplify whatever it is they're doing by having no dialogue, learn how to tell a story just through the emotions of the characters in the fight um i'm I'm a big fan of charlie chaplin and uh he was able to convey a short film without any dialogue yeah there might be some titles cue cards here and there but it didn't matter body uh movement and body language is very very strong and especially on film you can convey a message without having a single word said you know if someone's just yelling A lot you can tell that they're angry Mm -hmm. so (laughs) that that, that's how I like to work I I tell people listen I'm not a writer I'm not an official director I just action direct and I like to tell stories through my action and I focus on doing just that we earlier um, I said that I learned about uh, more kung-fu films once the DVD era started Um, when I did I stuck with uh, just learning about Jackie Chan and then Sammo Hong, Yoon Biao, and then Lao Kar all over the place. And then from there, one day, Eric Jacobus had messaged me and he said, Hey, check out this fight. And it was a hallway fight in Old Boy. Yeah. And uh, he sent me this fight. I watched it. And then I pirated the movie. Yes, I pirated <laughs> Old Boy. In like 2003, 2004. <laughs> but once I saw that movie, I ordered the DVD and the soundtrack from Korea. Nice. Now, it, it was the first time I had seen a fight that was done without so many beats, like Hong Kong style, like hoo ha hoo ha hoo ha Right, right, right. That had emotion in it and acting. And without realizing it, subconsciously, I was learning how to do that. So after Old oh, Boy, I started watching more Korean films, gangster movies. You know, people ask me like, "What well, What are some good fight scenes uh, to watch?" And I tell them, "Go watch A Bittersweet Life. Go watch Gangster High. Go watch A Dirty Carnival." Because in Korean cinema, you get a performance at the fight scene. And I noticed that Hong Kong started to really do that. I would say when Flashpoint came out, you finally saw mm. people like stopping the fight and breathing a little bit, mm-hmm. getting some emotions in. Um, so what I did was I just studied fights. I just studied fights. I studied fights. I studied fights. And I think that's maybe the reason that I'm so good at it. I'm also very competitive, so I want to be the best <laughs> at what it is I do. And uh, just having a fight scene there without a real backstory, if, if I can get people to react to the fight, then I know I've done my job. Mm-hmm. A while back, um, that same fight scene that I shot with Mickey and Amy, the first time they ever performed for me, I showed it to a group of people and there was a woman that stood up at the end of the short came by hugged me and gave me a kiss Uh because I think it showed a lot of women empowerment it it no longer showed women as weak and fragile and I think the industry had female choreography all wrong Mm. like with the Mila Jolovich movies and things like that back in like 2006 and the early 2000s even Hong Kong action you know you had uh, amazing martial artists like Cynthia Rothrock from right. the American side, and then you had Cynthia Kahn and Michelle Yao but uh choreography at that time i think i don 't i 't think uh the action directors back then really knew how to make a female look strong mm-hmm. and and i 've always been one of those guys that was like uh i don 't know i don't like it when females fight, so when I had Mickey and Amy perform for me, I made sure that they would perform like any of my uh male performers would they just went hard i tell them you have to go hard put on the pad if you have to and um from there i realized that uh i could more or less make anything i wanted to make
2: (laughs) (laughs) so let me throw a a wrench in that because you work with actual martial artists uh amy johnson mickey facinello eric jacobus just to name a few when you have to work with people who aren't trained in martial arts Uh, It's a whole different skill set that you have to bring to the table. Have you had to deal with that when you've done any uh, coordinating?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Last year, I got to work on the first two episodes in in Humans. Um, I got a phone call, and then the next day, I was in Hawaii. And two days later, we were shooting our first fight scene. That's not a terrible <laughs> life. <laughs> well, it, it, it's not. But in, in a fight coordinator choreographer's world, that's, uh, that's horrendous. Sure. Because there was absolutely no prep time. And when, when I get to Hawaii, I find out that we're shooting. In a couple of days, I find out that I have to choreograph a fight. And I'm training an actor who's doing any kind of action for the first time. As a, as a matter of fact... Just about every fight I did on humans in the first two episodes was working with actors that had never done a fight scene in their life. Oh, wow. And um, as I had mentioned earlier, you want to play to people's strengths. Mm-hmm. You want to see what it is they're capable of, and then you start fine-tuning it. So there were, there were also times where I would have to uh, show the actors the fight three hours before we started filming, wow. which was a lot of fun. <laughs> and then um, in quotes (laughs) oh definitely and um one of uh one of the most rewarding experiences i had was actually coordinating ken leon who uh if you recall Mm -hmm. rush hour the first rush hour yep he was the bad guy he was Mm -hmm. the guy that everyone thought was juntao you know with the blonde hair yeah so when i met him he told me hey listen i've never done a fight scene in my entire life and i said don't worry we're going to make sure that you're comfortable with all your movements and you're comfortable with the fight. You know, it, it's it's my job to make sure that anyone that's performing with me feels safe with me and that they know that they're not in any kind of danger. Sorry. So I had him do a few karate moves. Uh, we worked out the basics, stances, and then basic uh, blocks and punches like your down block, your high block, your inside to outside. So what I do is I try to take the basics and use that, give it to the actors, and make them look really good with just the basics. Mm. And I, I also got to actually do that on Lucifer okay. with uh, Tom Welling and D.B. Woodside. Production said that they want this uh, fight scene that involves different styles. And I thought to myself, well, if these guys have been around for a couple thousand years, let's, let's make them do karate because uh, both actors are about 6'1", 6'2". And you can't have big guys do wushu or kung fu. It's going to look ridiculous. <laughs> okay so an so ancient art would be karate and uh we had like five days of training but the first day of training i think i spent an hour on just stances making mm. sure that they got their footwork right. Right, right so so to go back and answer the question of like what's it like working with someone with no experience you have to have a game plan you start off give them some kind of foundation that they can grow from and and make them feel comfortable you know um, one thing I learned uh, working with Sam Hargrave was you always want to lead with a compliment before you go ahead and start correcting people. And it's definitely helped me out since then. Because I'm the kind of guy, you know, working with martial artists and doing a bunch of indie stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm the big boss. Wherever I walk, I'm the big boss. I can say, no, 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 no. But if I say that to an actor that's getting that's getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for a season, <laughs> they're going to look at me like I'm crazy, and then tell production, and then you know I got to find another job. <laughs> All yeah. diplomacy, exactly. Yes, but like, yeah, you, you want to make your uh, actors feel confident and comfortable, and you want to make them feel safe. Also, being able to use really good analogies, um, like you know, if you're going to elbow strike someone on their back or on the top of the head, you say, we're going to go from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And then I Mm -hmm. tell them, make a yes motion with your fist. Ah, You know, like something great just happened, you go, yes, (laughs) like that. Or uh, if we're doing karate and I tell people to turn their wrists, I'd say, hey, look at your watch, look at your watch. Things that people can relate to. You don't want to use any kind of martial arts terms trying to correct actors that have never done that kind of martial art.
2: All practical, yes, absolutely. So playing off of that, what is your take on the state of martial arts and entertainment today? Because we have some good examples out there and maybe some not so good examples. In my opinion, Hollywood still doesn't trust martial arts to carry a film, but as someone on the inside, do you think that's the case? What is your take on the whole thing?
1: Um, I think the U.S. has always had trouble when it comes to martial arts action. Um, Now, for the record, I just want to let people know that I think that stunt performers and stuntmen is one category and screen fighters is a whole different category. Oh, Two okay. different specialties. Good you point. Know, you know, you, you can have someone that goes really hard, like Eric Jacobus doing an amazing fight scene, mm-hmm. but uh, Eric doesn't uh, get lit on fire. He doesn't drive cars. Right. He doesn't do high falls. He does some crazy Hong Kong stunts. He does great stunts, but I would consider, like, you know, someone like Eric an amazing screen fighter. Right. And then um, I've worked with people on shows and movies that are amazing stuntmen, and they've mm-hmm. had to make that transition into screen fighting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, with that said, I think with the evolution of Hong Kong in the 80s, America was looking at Hong Kong and these martial arts movies, and they were trying to mimic it. We saw a lot of that in the 90s with, like, you know, B movies. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but I'll just say B movies. <laughs> We've watched them all. We watched them all, yeah. (laughs) I I, I think the biggest success was probably Drive, which Mm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, mimicked Hong Kong cinema very, very well. So I think there was just a lack of knowledge of how to bring fight scenes to the screen in the U.S. Once again, it's my opinion. I don't know. And um, as time went on, we, um, the people of the U.S., uh, f- started to slowly figure it out. In the 90s, uh, stuntmen and coordinators were still figuring it out, Hong Kong style, and how to make that transition. Back then, I don't think anyone really knew how to tell a great story with a fight scene mm. and make it very entertaining because martial arts, in a way, was still very limited in the stunt world. It's like big haymakers, you know, jab, cross, big haymakers. No one was really uh, throwing people, no one was doing any kicks or anything like that. And as time passed, uh, These coordinators, now coordinators, were looking at Hong Kong back then. They were young, and they were able to figure out how it works. So right now, U.S. coordinators and American action is probably the most in-demand action all over the world.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: But I honestly don't know how long it's going to go for because I've noticed a trend. Everyone always resorts back to Hong Kong style, like 80s kickboxing style. Uh, We had the 80s kickboxing style that dominated Hong Kong, and then in the late 90s, we had The Matrix, mm-hmm. Yuen Woo ping came over, and then Jet Li came over. Uh, before that, we had Jackie Chan. So there was a lot of 80s influence. Right. Then we had a nice little period of Korean cinema influence where uh, these coordinators were saying, well, how about we just not have two people fight? How about we tell a story behind the fight? How about we show some acting, some drama behind the fight? Once that phase ended, we had the Tony Jaa era where it's, hey, power moves, kick people in the head, kick people in the head, the wow factor, which is essentially, in my opinion, Hong Kong cinema minus all the beats. It's just like the big payoff. Mm Because what Hong Mm -hmm. Kong cinema did great, like what Jackie does great, or Sammo Hong did, you have small moments that lead up to this big grand move. And that's that's what, uh, I think that's what Thai style is. It's just big big move, big move, big move, big move, big move. And, and uh, once uh, John Wick came out, that changed the game entirely mm-hmm. because uh, gunplay became fun again. Gunplay was no longer Arnold Schwarzenegger running around and shooting 100 guys. Gunplay is smarter. It's now moving the gun up, down, left, right. right, right. Directions. Honestly, that's what makes a good fight scene. A lot of people go ahead and they just throw punches in one spot. I'll say, like, the chest area. Everyone throws punches towards the chest. Okay. Their punches to the chest look like their punches to the face. And their punches, uh, yes. mm-hmm. and their punches to the body look like their punches to the chest. But no one's actually moving. There, there, there aren't spots to target. And that's what uh, I think really makes John Wick work with guns. is because it's not Keanu just walking around and pointing his gun in one direction and shooting in the same spot. He's uh, immobilizing guys. Yep. By shooting them in the foot, and the knee, taking them down, throwing them. There's a combination of everything. Yeah. Everything. And it's very new, and it's very fresh, and it's exciting. Yeah. So I think we're in that era now where, like I was saying, American coordinators have figured it out, and uh, American action has taken over. But, but once this phase is over, once again, we revert back to Hong Kong cinema.
2: In terms of packaging it as a martial art, Movies like John Wick and, and Jason Bourne don't outright say that, right? It's, it's just an action film.
1: Correct, yes. Um, one of the things that I've come to understand being in the industry is that uh, America has no action directors. Mm. When, when I worked in India on a few movies, I saw how important the action director role is. I mean, the director's going up to you and he's saying, What's the next shot? What's the next angle? what's the choreography bit? What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? You're really running the show. And um, depending on how much they like you and how good you are, they'll even allow you to go ahead and edit the action because it's new to them. It would be a little bit weird for me to just say, okay, you guys handle it, this action that you've never seen or done before. You know, so I want to make sure I'd have some control over it, but the action director role is respected there. The action director role is respected in China. It's, The action director role is just respected in Asia, period. Mm, mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like over here in the industry, it's something that's gonna take a little bit more time. But people like uh, Chad Stahelski and Dave Leach have opened up the doors for the stunt community to be able to tell their stories.
2: Mm.
1: You know, there has been progress. Stunt coordinators are now becoming directors and successful directors, you know, movies that are making hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's that, at the end of the day, that's what producers want to see. They want to see that money. Sure. And um, that transition is going to take some time. But once we have an action director role set in place here in the States, I think um, action is going to make a much larger impact on movies than it has before.
2: Now, there's got to be that delicate balance, though. You can't just throw action after action after action without having the audience be invested in that character
1: correct oh yeah definitely definitely in my opinion the role of the action director is uh the same as just your regular director but he's supposed to enhance the story that the director is trying to show Mm -hmm. so both of you have to be on the same page you know you if, if your character doesn't say a word throughout the entire movie and that's the way the director wants it don't start to don't have him start yelling and screaming and shouting during the fight Right, right. So you, you really have to invest in the character as well. Nowadays, I tell people cinema and the audience are a lot smarter than they were. It's not the 80s where you can go ahead and shoot a 100 guys and every guy in the theater is like, yeah, oh, I feel like a man. Oh. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's no longer that. It's like, well, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. That wouldn't work. You know, we, we have to become smarter. So that means the action has to become smarter as well, it has to fit the story. And um, I'm seeing a lot of choreography in the industry, both on the indie level and the professional level. And I'm just talking about all around the world. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of choreography, choreography, choreography. What's the story? I recently saw the movie Reborn. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Yeah,
2: Taeksu like
1: Yes, yes. Now, <laughs> my biggest complaint with uh, Japanese action is they do such cool things. Like the briefcase scene in the middle mm-hmm. of the street. Mm-hmm. I thought that was brilliant. And then the supermarket fight, I thought that was brilliant. The finale started off so well and then they just dragged. And <laughs> I'm just thinking, why are you doing that? And 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 I hate to say it, but I think that Japanese action directors and choreographers are ruthless for that. It's like, well, let's just make the finale 30 minutes. Because back in the day in the 80s, if you heard that Sammo was doing like a 15-minute finale, or you know, or Jackie Chan had a 10, 20 minute finale, you're like, holy shit, I can't wait to see this. But that no longer applies to movies. It's, you know, like you were saying, how can we carry the movie with the action? Make sure that the action is relevant to the movie. Make sure that we don't get bored. Make sure that, you know, the character is still this character. So with Reborn, I'm watching the finale. I'm thinking, this is great. And then I'm like, okay, they're doing that Japanese thing where (laughs) it's just dragging, it's dragging, it's dragging. And there's no story. There's absolutely no story. He's looking good, kicking ass. If you want to make a character look good, kicking the ass, do that in the middle of the movie. Yeah. Don't yeah. do that in the finale. Because in the finale, I want to feel like I've absorbed everything and I'm really happy. Not frustrated because you guys were fighting for an extra 10 minutes. That, the payoff, it's, right? Exactly, yes.
2: How about actors that are out there now? Are, are there any actors that you really want to work with? Scott Atkins.
1: I really wow. want to work with Scott. Um, it's funny, Scott and I... Scott, Scott and I have this relationship where we're supposed to work with one another, but we don't. <laughs> it, it, it started out in uh, March. That sounds like an
2: abusive relationship. But.
1: It, no, no, no. It's, it's it's a great relationship. We're always communicating back and forth. Um, he tries to bring me on any movies uh, that he's able to, but schedules just conflict, and it doesn't happen. Like we, I. We were supposed to work on close range in a series of other movies, even uh, his current one that he did not too long ago in China, not ItMan, but um, the one with uh, Andy On. He reached out to me and said, "Hey, I'd like you to come out." And uh, then his regular choreographer was available, Tim Mann. Yep. So he had to go with him. You know there's this whole loyalty sure. aspect of sure. you know the entertainment industry, and just martial arts as well. Loyalty is a big part of it. So I'm hoping that one day, finally, Scott and I can go ahead and work together. I worked in India uh, with a gentleman by the name of Akshay Kumar. He's uh, like India's top action star. Mm -hmm. But he hasn't done an action movie since the one that we did. I'd love to do an action movie with him because he's so committed. He's always in the gym. He's working out. He's on set an hour before anyone else. He's dedicated and I think a lot of that dedication comes from the fact that he is a martial artist himself. He's a black belt. Mm. So whenever I go visit India, we try to get together. We try to throw some kicks and work out. Um, so he's a gentleman. I'm definitely hoping I will get another chance to work with.
2: All right. Uh, since you also worked on the indie side of things, uh, you worked with, with guys like Noel Flader and and, and guys like that where uh, they, they kind of make their mark via YouTube. Uh, are there... Any uh, up-and-coming
1: talent that uh, you you want to bring to the spotlight and work with? Um, I feel like I well, I don't feel I owe Andy Lee and Brian Lee a big Vlad Rimberg short film. Uh, uh, the, they're the, the guys. Marshall Club, Club, yes, Marshall Club. They're amazing. Uh, they're very very talented, and they go hard. When I for for anyone that's wondering, what does that mean? They go hard. It means they fight hard. They hit the ground hard. Yeah, they're just. dedicated to everything. I don't honestly believe that they're human. Brian, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not, no. Uh, But when I was shooting shorts, uh, they would come in and they'd come in and get beat up and have their two, three seconds of quote-unquote Vlad fame. (laughs) And, And I've always felt guilty for just bringing them in for a couple moments. So... Those guys, I definitely want to give a bigger role, a bigger project yeah. to. You.
2: Now I know uh, Brian just came back from uh, shooting uh, Into the Badlands.
1: Yes, yes, he did.
2: Which, uh, which I'll, I will say, is one of the one of the projects, the martial arts projects. Anyway, that um, I do enjoy.
1: It's a great show. Um, it also allows for an action director to be on set and do his thing, you know, without any politics involved. I think that's why the show is as successful as it is, especially when it comes to the martial arts uh, aspect of cinema, because they have that control over the action.
2: It helps to have uh the guys like Stephen Fong and uh Daniel Wu uh championing the project and being martial artists themselves, right?
1: Of course, yes, because um if if it's also if you're a producer of a show and you're a martial artist and you grew up around, you know, martial arts you're going to push for that martial art aspect in the show. You have that power to do so. You know, it's, it's not like just a fight coordinator coming in or a stunt coordinator saying, hey, you know what, the show is lacking uh, action. We need to go ahead and do reshoots in <laughs> Jessica Jones season one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so There's a
2: whole other Marvel project that you can throw in there
1: too, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> that, Iron fist. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, I think the show's got that kind of success because it's, it's surrounded by people that are passionate about martial arts, which is one thing when I came on board to Lucifer and I showed production what it is I'm capable of, there was a lot more trust in the work that I was doing, not just from the producers, but from the directors. Uh, Merit Yanka, who was a stunt coordinator, allowed me to do what I wanted to do. I proved myself. And I showed production that I only want the best for the actors in the show. You know, there's a lot of that, um, I want to say, kind of intimidation that happens in the industry uh, where coordinators are a little bit intimidated to speak out because you don't know if it's going to be your last paycheck on the show or not. And I understand we have to be very, very diplomatic. At the end of the day, the people with money are going to tell you what to do. That's why I love going out and filming in the woods because <laughs> I'm telling me what to do.
2: <laughs> right. Right.
1: So it, it, the industry, it's an unusual industry. That's going to take a some more time to, to, to allow for change, but it is happening. People are becoming more aware. I think producers are also becoming a lot smarter when it comes to action. What kind of action needs to be on shows and things like that. And, um, I can only wish for the best. I just, like I was saying, I hope there's that transition where there's a role of an action director because an action director is an action director. What does that mean? You and I can have the exact same choreography. You and I can have the exact same skill set when it comes to filming and shooting something. But I guarantee you that my stuff, and I'm going to say this with a lot of like you know confidence, I don't want to say ego or arrogance, but my stuff is going to be better than yours because I've studied how... These performers are supposed to move and react and act to punches, blocks, kicks, anything and everything. I've been practicing that skill set of being able to tell a story. And once there are more people that have become like that, action directors, I think uh, the awareness level will rise.
2: All right. Now, you brought up Jessica Jones. So you, you opened up this can of worms. But how would you have fixed Iron Fist? Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's funny I'm just looking at the ceiling right now like breathing out and thinking what can I say (laughs) what can I say I'll tell you this I got an interesting call before season two of Iron Fist began from a producer and he said we're looking for a new stunt coordinator for season two you probably saw season one it was terrible and this and that now for the record, I'm not a stunt coordinator. I do consider myself an action director, and I am a fight coordinator, choreographer, but I'm not a stunt coordinator. Um, now, it, going back to the, to the conversation I was having with this producer, in the back of my head, I was just thinking, well, if you probably would have just followed the previous, everything would have looked great. Because right. I know who was working on it. Right. Brett Chan yeah, yeah, brought yeah. in the EMC Monkeys, and I've worked mm-hmm. with them. And they're very, very good. They're very talented. They're very skilled. Even their work has been plagiarized, <clears throat> Ninja Two, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but don't, I don't want anyone out there that saw season one of Iron Fist to think that the action team screwed up because they didn't. Yeah, I Not I, at I, all.
2: I honestly don't think that that's the case. But
1: so so with that, so like if, if you ask me how would I fix it, well I tell everyone follow the freaking previews. That's it. Let me go into the editor room. Let me see what kind of edits you made. There's this big uh, misconception that because we shot from three different angles, we have to use all three angles. Ugh. Now, I'm going to go back and say, oh, Lucifer, season three, because I love Lucifer. I got to be honest. It's not because yeah. season four is starting up. It's because <laughs> I, was, I was genuinely happy, and directors would allow me to come into the edit room to make sure that the fights were looking good. And I made sure that they were TV good. You know, There's a big difference between TV... And movies and what you see but uh just allowing me to do so showed a lot of trust on their end and when i went in uh the edit more or less followed my previs. so there That's weren't th- there, there were almost no notes yeah they might have went in with a tighter shot this and that but it followed the previs. so for someone to say how well how would you fix it Get, get the action team to start shooting and editing. I think that would be great. I think uh, if there's an action director on board, he's got his own team of cinematographers, his own editing team, which is something that Brad Allen is doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Brad Allen brought out the Thousand Pounds guys, Chris yeah. Cohen and Brendan, yeah. who are – Brendan's choreographing for him and Chris is uh, shooting the fights. And it's just like, wow, what a concept. (laughs) What a a concept to have the action team actually be involved in the action, not just on the sidelines. So that's how I would, uh, quote unquote, fix it. I would just put everyone's egos aside and let us all do good work. Yeah. That's all. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So given the budget,
2: the time, the talent, is there a project that you would bring to life?
1: I have a lot of indie ideas, um, a yeah. couple of feature films. Dennis Rule and I want to do Unlucky Stars 2. Excellent. We've been speaking with Richard Norton, who was a big fan of the first one. He even promoted it nice. when he was doing a interview. And he's interested in doing part two. I mean, listen, part two, we would have Richard Norton. We'd bring in Benny the Jet, Chuck oh. Jeffries, Cynthia Rothrock. At okay. the end, at the end, we'll have a... <laughs> At the end, if, if there's anyone listening out there that wants to invest money, go check out Unlucky Stars, yeah, which, will, which will actually be up online, um, I want to say, in the next month. But you can go to unluckystarsthemovie.com to see what it is we did. We had some problems with our distributors. But check out this movie and imagine this with people like Richard and Benny the Jed and the cameo by Samuel Hung in the end of the movie. You know what oh. I'm saying? So, so, so I want to get that started. Nice. I want to get that going. Um Dennis Rule who was the writer and director of the first movie, he's got a script that uh for Unlucky 2 that he's uh, rewriting. And uh we'll see what happens. But cool. for anyone wondering like, oh, well, short films and indie stuff, yes. Imagine um imagine there's a short film and it starts off and there's a we see a red uniform and then we see a black belt it's slowly panning up and it says uh, K period, Masters. Ken Masters. <laughs> Who's that? Well, that's Ken, right? right. And uh, the uniform is very rugged. This black belts, almost white. And it keeps panning up, panning up. And we don't see blonde hair male Ken. We see blonde hair female Ken, which in my mind would be someone like Heidi Moneymaker. Oh, nice. And uh, Ken's meditating, and his meditation um, comes to a stop once evil Ryu enters his mind. Evil Ryu. And my Evil Ryu character would be Mickey. Nice. So I would do Street Fighter the way I think Street Fighter should be done. Ken versus Evil Ryu. And uh, I would show the Raging Demon. You know, uh, I I have a lot of ideas that uh, I've been planning for many, many years. Thank I have you. a short film that I want to do with Brendan. Um, I honestly think that it's uh, Oscar contender it's it really? is an Oscar yes yes um so we'll see we'll see there are many things I want to do but uh all these people that I started to work with you know like people like Brendan and Mickey even Brian and Andy everyone's got a career now sure. everyone's working sure. so trying to get them to come in and shoot a fight is is a task in its own you know it, it's, it's this whole struggle of uh checking on everyone's availability consistently someone like Mickey is so high is so high in demand where you know I'd have to make sure that she's taken care of financially Mm -hmm. if it's if it's a bigger project that's got money involved and I need to put her on the hold so that way she doesn't take any jobs so it's in one way I'm very happy for everyone I always love to see people succeed even my competition even the people I don't like I want everybody to succeed because (laughs) I'm the kind of guy that's like you know what Maybe they'll get it right. Maybe they'll be a good person. Maybe things will be, you know, beautiful. I want it to be all beautiful. I want it to be a nice, healthy, competitive world. Right. At the same time, i like, got damn it, like, working again, working again, working again. I'm never going to shoot this thing. I'm never going to shoot this thing. <laughs> so w- we'll see. But uh, when it comes to features, I want to do Unlucky 2, and I have a lot of indie projects that I want to do. But uh, I have a baby girl on the way in September, so... Many um, congrats. Thank you so much. So, my uh, money will be dedicated to my child. <laughs> <laughs> as 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 you probably know. With three girls, you know, three girls. Yeah, is this your
2: first child? First child, yes. She's gonna be a daddy's girl, of course, and you're gonna be wrapped around her finger. So just be
1: prepared for it. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. But I, I'm, I'm hoping to uh, have some of that martial arts discipline in her at an early age. I know that it definitely helped me, but. For the most part, I've always felt like I've been um, a very good boy. Yes, sir. No, sir. Like that. Very respectful, very loyal. And I feel like martial arts helps develop those skills for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm going to put her in the martial arts school. But if anything, I would probably want to teach her myself (laughs) and let her do whatever she wants to do. I'm a big big, uh, hell yeah kind of guy. When people say I want to do this and this and this, I say go for it. Anything is possible. I'm a, I'm a Russian Jewish kid that came from Belarus that told his parents to, that, uh, he wanted to be a filmmaker and they're like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and here I am. I'm, I'm, Look I'm at making you now, you know? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's funny because, uh, I, uh, I just started martial arts, uh, myself and I'm, I'm already way, way over the hill. I'm 46. Um, but I just started, uh, I've made it to the orange belt now. Um, and, uh, m- my daughter's, uh, when I started, um got interested in what I was doing. So they are now taking the class with me, and they are orange belts,
1: too. So, um, hell yeah, it's nice. That's great. <laughs> I, th- I think it's great when parents uh, are involved in the same activities as their kids. It's fun. i c-
2: I can't teach them, obviously. I don't have your skill set, but um it's nice to be able to to kind of grow and develop uh, in this martial arts journey with them, uh, right by my side. It's, it's, it's really cool. And, uh, and thankfully they're really uh, involved and interested in it because, uh, it gives me a little peace of mind, uh, just knowing that they have the tools, uh, socked away, uh, and, uh, you know, hope that they never need it, but at least they have it. All right. Back to you then. Um, before we wrap things up, uh, you ready to do a quick lightning round?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Let's do
2: it. (laughs) All right, first thing that comes to your mind, all right? Give me your favorite classic kung fu film.
1: Encounters of a Spooky Kind.
2: Oh, nice, nice one. All right, what's your favorite non-martial arts film? Cinema Paradiso. Okay. Uh, other than yourself, who would you trust to do a faithful remake of Encounters of the Spooky Kind?
1: Manny Manzanares. Uh
2: What was more rewarding, your best day of competition or your best day of filmmaking?
1: Best day of filmmaking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> do you still train in martial arts today?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, train. I try to train four times a week. I for anyone listening, if you live in the Los Angeles area and you're a stunt person or you want to get into stunts, aka screen fighting, um, I host a kicking session at Joining All Movement, aka JAM. It's it's located over in the Reseda area, and I do it Tuesday through Friday. Uh, open gyms from twelve to two thirty. We line up at 12.40, and we kick until one thirty, So 50, 50 minutes here with me, and then you have like an hour to yourself. Go do whatever you want to do. I'm usually there unless I'm working. If you come for at least three weeks, I'll put you in a private group and let you know what the schedule is cool. like. Yeah.
2: Very cool. Excellent, excellent. All right, what move could you do back in the day that might send you to the hospital if you tried
1: it today? I used to... <laughs> Uh, swinging my right hand. <laughs> swinging your right hand. Yes, I dislocated my shoulder in 2003. Oh. And I've man. had 25 uh, dislocations since then. I'll be honest.
2: 25.
1: I- <laughs> 25. Oh man. Does uh, that just kind of deal- pop out now at random moments? It does. Yes, it's popped out while I've been swimming, punching the bag, waking up, uh, sneezing. Uh, recently, just reaching in the back seat while we were while I was shooting with. Uh, Brendan and Tony were shooting 03, first day of filming. I reach into the back seat, dislocate my shoulder. Ah, Yeah, it's, it's, it's also my fault. I haven't been rehabbing it the way I should be. But whenever I go work overseas, I'm in the gym every day rehabbing it. Once I come home, I'm just, uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> so you've become adept at just kind of popping that back in place and then going about your business.
1: Yeah, I am all gibson it every single time. <laughs>
2: Ouch. Uh, All right. Um, Last uh, lightning round question, and I will edit it out if you get it wrong, of course. But what's your favorite podcast about kung fu and martial arts movies?
1: Kung fu driving podcast.
2: Nice. (laughs) All right. Um, What's coming next from Vlad Rimberg?
1: Well, season four of Lucifer is coming up. uh, Congratulations
2: on getting that picked up, by the way.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Everyone is amazing on that show, like I was saying, from cast. To crew, producers, executive producers, everyone's wonderful. It's just good people wanting to do good things, and I'm very happy and fortunate that it got picked up. Um, but I don't know. Uh, recently, I spoke with Larnell. Maybe we get to team up again. Cool. Uh, as for the indie level, I am trying to plan a fight with uh, Mickey and uh, Amy Studevant and some people. Cool. Fingers crossed that it happens. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, cool, I, cool. I, I want to show something uh, different with that. And I really want to show that girls can uh, kick ass.
2: I think you've done a good job of showing that so far. <laughs>
1: I, I think so too. But convert all the non-believers yeah, yeah, that are yeah. leaving messages on YouTube. You know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> all right. And where can my audience go to follow along with your exploits and uh, get more information as things develop with you?
1: Uh, they can go to youtube.com slash V-J-V-L-A-D. That's youtube.com slash V-J-V-L-A-D. Or they can go to my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Vlad V-L-A-D-R-I-M-B-U-R-G. Very cool.
2: Vlad, uh, again, it was uh, an absolute honor to uh to be your first official interview in in some time, so <laughs> thank you so much for taking some time out. Uh, I'm a big fan of your work, uh, and I didn't even know I was a big fan of your work until I got to talking to all of these martial artists. But uh, the stuff that you do is amazing. Your your fight scenes are so so powerful and so raw. Uh, and there's a, there's always a great sense of some story there that uh, is is always popping out, which always makes it fun to watch. So. Best of luck in anything that you got going on. Best of luck in with Lucifer Season 4. And uh, I hope those projects that you're working on come to fruition.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I think uh, the last time I sweated this much was actually this afternoon while training. <laughs> <laughs> but it well, was good. Thank you.
2: Hopefully you got, uh, you got as good a uh, an endorphin rush as you did from training. <laughs> Definitely. Very cool. Vlad, thank you so much. Uh, and again, best of luck with everything. Thank you very much. You have a great night. A huge bucket of thanks to Vlad Rimberg for sitting and chatting with me and for trusting that I wouldn't completely botch his self-described first official interview. It truly was an honor to have him on the show, and I hope I really didn't actually botch things up. He does some incredible work, and I'm looking forward to everything he'll be working on in the future. I also want to wish Vlad the best of luck in what is sure to be his greatest adventure yet, that of new fatherhood as he welcomes his baby girl this September. Vlad, enjoy your sleep now, cherish it, savor it, because soon, you will miss it. My oldest daughter is 13 now, and only now have I been able to actually start sleeping again. If you want to follow Vlad's work, check out his YouTube page. His username is VJVlad, that's V-J-V-L-A-D. His Facebook page and all his other socials, I'll put all those links in the show notes so you can link directly to them and check everything out. And if you're a Lucifer fan, Season 4 is in the works right now and will be available on Netflix, so queue it up or catch it up if you need to and see more of Vlad's cool fight work. As always, you can catch me on all my socials. I'm on Twitter at Kung Fu Driven, Facebook and Instagram at Kung Fu Driven Podcast. You can also reach me via Smoke Signal Semaphore and email Kung Fu at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the show so far, please, please consider taking a moment to head over to iTunes and leaving me a star rating and/or a review. Because the more stars I get, the closer I get to mediocrity. Now, if you want to avoid mediocrity altogether, while you're on Twitter, go check out the Castaways hashtag and check out some of my fellow indie podcasters for some fantastic content about movies, music, sex, relationships, games, sports, and pretty much everything else that isn't martial arts or kung fu. And finally, a reminder that the Kung Fu Drive-In Podcast is the official podcast of the Urban Action Showcase and Expo's Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater, taking place in New York City this November. Go to UrbanActionShowcase.com and get your passes so we can hang together at the show. I'd love to meet some listeners, and please do order some Kung Fu Drive-In podcast swag from my Threadless shop. That link is in the notes as well. Rock that goodness at the show to get an extra something-something if I spy you. Until next time, Poison Clan, peace. The 2018
3: UASC will take place Saturday, November 10th at AMC Theatres Times Square featuring five theaters with over 60 hours of action content from 10 a.m. to 12 a.m. That's right, Action Junkies, we're having a 14-hour action film megathon, showcasing the latest indie action film content and continuing last year's launch of Saturday Afternoon Kung Fu Theater, featuring Shaw Brothers Kung Fu classics and honoring the 40th anniversary of five daily events. Please join the Urban Action Showcase Diversity and in Action Initiative, celebrating the past, present, and future multicultural achievements in the blockbuster action genre. As a platform, we advocate diversity and inclusion through our International Action Film Festival, Action Expo, and Action Film Awards platform to promote multicultural heroic images in order to change the dynamic of mainstream media. Be a part of the action by pre-purchasing a 2018 event pass for yourself or a friend. Master, Sanjay is finished. We can attack the city. Mm. <laughs> Poison Clan rocks the world.
0: and fisted up on the daily prayers shouting monks on the hands running down the thousand stairs the fatal e-car now's in king new's hands with the fearless idea, hear roaming over the lands yeah the little big soldier is older but wiser he wants a world of peace because he doesn't want to fight Y'all got the venom mob laying down the law Bruce Lee delivered kicks guaranteed to break jars Five for the cars then pause here blast not the end back kicks will defeat the outlaws very good but boards don't hit back yeah the death jewels here David he is coming back the tights Master Jelly's even faster Could channel a little drink Because he is The drunken master Once upon a time In China and quan Is real fine But see Maggie on is off Golden Swallow Has arrived Chan chi movies Will the hero Will survive We've got the brave archer Make his way to the top Of the mountain Gonna fight May as well Pick the spot Yeah the sky goes black on the vampires back We've got Lam Ching To kill the all To so stand back He plays the black magic On the soul of the sword And our sword Will travel until His body's on floors Yeah Wing Chun Shovel in a manly style, yeah. Defeat the enemy and watch you run for miles. Blood will spill now on the mountain tops when we bring back the soul of the legendary pops. Walk to the tea house, ready for some action. Drink a little wine, we get a drunk, and then we're fighting. Ha. This time it's warm, we smash the place up with our dragon claws. we walk walking to the tea house, ready for some action. Drink a little wine, we get a drunk, and then we're fighting. Ha! This time it's war We we'll smash the place up with a dragon claw See it's a game of death yo You're facing the big boss It's once upon a time in China Counting the tick tock. The Shogun Assassin Slashing blood of just strip drop The head kick, neck drop, Balance the won't stop Wanna kill Bill? Better get the assassins He's got her Just in yellow But she is in the dragon But in the tea rooms That's where it'll happen She got the bodies on the floor when the blood it will splatter Against the walls Don't fear at all she kill them all There's always blood spilled When you head into a war Fearless Unleashed. The fist of legend at the car jet league I'm bolo young, yo will always be a beast You rumble in the Bronx, yo I'm rumble in the streets And it's simple, see the facts are these There's only ever gonna be one Bruce Lee Walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drinking a little wine, we getting drunk and then we're fighting Ha! This time it's warm To smash the place up with a dragon cross. we're walking to the tea house, ready for some action Drink a little